Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson. Welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this soggy and soaked Tuesday, a monsoon Tuesday in the great city of Tucson, Arizona, right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. This is Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. It is August the 17th, 2021 at 7.02 AM. We have a jam-packed show for you today. Lots of college football to get into. A lot of college football to talk about today. Some NFL news that we'll get into, of course. I do have some uh, some baseball news, some basketball news. Let's begin with the weather, though. What in what on earth is happening? Now, I, I travel back and forth between Phoenix and Tucson a lot. I live in Phoenix. I'm in Tucson a lot. I can't seem to escape this monsoon that is happening. And one of the funniest tweets I've seen in a long time, it was from an account called the Tucson Monsoon. <laughs> and all the tweets said this morning was can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. Nearly 12 inches of rainfall at Tucson International Airport so far this year. The record in Tucson, the Tucson record for rainfall in a single year, 13.84 inches, which was like 1964 or something like that. So we are getting very, very close to breaking, possibly even shattering that record, as we haven't even hit October and November yet. So um, stay safe out there, folks. Look, I don't have to tell you twice, the roads in Tucson flood a lot, okay? You guys are familiar with that. You drive in Tucson every single day. You live there. And uh, just please get to and home, you know, to work, you know, from home, to work, whatever, safely, vice versa. Get your kids to school safely. And I know because because it's raining, a lot of parents are going to be driving their kids to school. Please just like be courteous out there. I've heard some, I've heard some stories that I just, man, parents in like the drop-off line and stuff like that. You have to prepare for days like this, right? Like, you, you just you have to be ready for this. You know that that line is going to be full of three hundred cars dropping their kids off. Be ready for it. There was. A road rage incident, I think, I can't remember what, what state it was in. I want to say it was like Colorado or something like that. Um, it was, I think it was yesterday. At a school, a, a school line, a, a parent drop-off line at, at a school, and uh, it just, it's ridiculous. Just be courteous to one, out, enough for one another out there and prepare, okay? It's bad weather. We're all having to deal with it at the same time. We're all on the same bleep sandwich. So deal with it. Be kind to one another. Share the road. Be courteous, okay? Be good examples to your children because, remember, they're going to be the ones tucking us in when we've got diapers on and can't wipe our own mouths. So be good. Let Teach them well, right? Um, just some real quick news here that could affect some things for the Arizona Wildcats uh, coming up on September 4th. The game, of course, is going to be played in Las Vegas against BYU. Now, the Las Vegas Raiders – announced yesterday that they're going to be the first NFL team to require all game attendees to provide proof of a COVID-19 vaccination, which will allow fans to attend the games without wearing a mask. Now, the policy takes effect September 13th, the regulars, uh, the Raiders' regular season opener against 
the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I, I have not gotten confirmation yet whether this is just a team thing, whether the Raiders as a team have decided this, or if it's the city of Las Vegas, or if it's the property, you know, of of uh, you know of, of the stadium, I, I you know Allegiant Stadium. Um, I don't know where that's exactly coming from. So I don't know if it affects the September 4th game for Arizona fans traveling to, to watch the BYU game or any fans watch, traveling to watch the BYU game. So we'll keep an eye on that. Now, remember we talked last week about the New Orleans Saints. The city of New Orleans is requiring to either show proof of vaccination or a negative COVID-19 test within 72 hours of home games at the uh, Caesars Superdome in New Orleans, also at Tulane University. But uh, the Raiders were the first team to announce that it's going to require all attendees to provide proof of COVID-19 vaccination. Now, if you uh, – it, 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 look, it's kind of vague, as is many of the th- things going on with this situation where businesses, especially public places, are requiring certain documents to enter their buildings and things like that. Now, there are stipulations, of course. They can't just keep you from a public place like that. Um, But it it says they can attend games without wearing a mask. So if you want to wear a mask, you don't have to provide the COVID-19 vaccination paperwork. If you want to go maskless, you have to provide vaccination proof. So, uh, again... We'll keep you, you know, keep you updated as if anything changes with the September fourth game as it stands right now. That is just a Raiders policy for Raiders home games. It won't go into effect until September nineteenth, nine games after the Wildcat game plays against BYU. But again, if it changes, we'll keep you posted. Now, <coughs> every year this happens. Every year around this time, the same thing happens. The AP poll is released. The preseason AP poll by the you know, the the Associated Press, the people who are given the privilege to vote in these types of things, they come out with their top 25 list of football teams, okay? And too many people, far too many people, take credence into this uh, particular ranking. Specifically, the, you know, the, the landscape of college football is they have crowned champions for 70 years in the AP, 80 years in the AP, um, and it's been largely influenced by the preseason poll, which is the most useless poll of all of the AP polls. We haven't seen these teams play yet. We haven't seen a team on the field yet, which is why there are some really interesting trends that go along with the preseason AP poll. And, and look, the AP poll is largely worthless, and I think it's one of the worst things in sports. I have hated the AP poll for years because – there's been so many situations where you're looking at the landscape of college football. It's eight, you know, week eight, week nine, week ten, and you're sitting there looking at this team, and you're like, this team has four losses. Why are they still ranked 11th in the country? Oh, that's right. The AP continues to hang on to their pride and their vote because they thought this was the second-best team in America in August. They're clearly not, and they should be ranked lower. There are teams below them. You see it all the time, right? Like, there's always that argument. You see a, a situation where – Let's say Florida was ranked number three in the preseason. Okay, they get beat in their in their SEC opener. Let's say you know four weeks into the season, they get beat by Ole Miss. Okay, Ole Miss has the same record as Florida, but is behind them in the rankings. 
You're like, well, how can that be? Uh, Ole Miss beat Florida head-to-head. And the AP says, no, 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 no. We think Florida is the better team because that's the way we thought in August, and that's the way it's going to be. Until they lose again, until they have more losses than another team, we're not going to drop them below that team. It's just it, – it's ridiculous. You know, these are these are very um, – uh, what's the word I should use? Prideful, I think, is a little bit <laughs> – is, is a little bit heavy of a pat on the back for these voters. They're arrogant. Let's just call it like it is. They're arrogant. They don't like to be wrong. They don't like to admit when they're wrong. There are a few out there that are completely transparent and keep their votes open all year long and talk about it and let people rip them and discuss them and stuff. And, I, you know, I appreciate the, the access to those types of uh, those voters. But largely the voters are hometown heroes who want to vote for the home team and will just cling to that vote until the end of the season where they're just basically forced to not look foolish because that's when the votes definitely do become transparent. Everybody has to everybody has to show their votes in the final week. That's when everything changed. Like, okay, finally this person dropped so you know, this team out of the top uh, you know, fifteen. They've been hanging on there all year long with five losses. So the AP poll, preseason specifically AP poll, the most worthless poll, the, the one of the most worthless things in all of sports, in my opinion. The first poll of the season shouldn't come out until week four. I've, I've said that for 25 years. But there are some interesting trends, which is why we're talking about it. People are like, Jeff, you hate the poll so much, and you called it worthless. Why are we spending time talking about it? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I'm someone who believes in trends. I like trends. When specifically talking college football, okay, The trends in college football can be the most, I I guess, the most explosive, the most uh, improbable to predict, because they really the landscape of college football is constantly changing. You could get a player on campus that hasn't really been seen, and they just blow up, like they they change everything. Or you could get a guy who was supposed to lead your team to the promised land, and all of a sudden he gets a girlfriend who likes to you know play parcheesi and drink wine, and all of a sudden, instead of reading the playbook and studying and getting his sleep, he's up with his girlfriend all night. And, you know, I mean, you don't have control over these kids. You don't know what they're doing. They're not professionals. And it could sully your season, which is, which is why, you know, what makes college football, A, so great, and B, so difficult to predict, which is why these trends exist. There are four trends that I want to speak about right now. And then they will lead to some predictions based on these trends. The first trend in regards to the AP preseason poll, in 15 of the last 17 AP preseason polls, the number one team failed to win the national championship. Only two times it's happened in the last 17 years was, if you go back to 2004, USC. Of course, that was when they won uh, back-to-back they were the preseason number one. They were obviously the best team in the country, and they won the national championship that year. That was an easy one. And the 2017 Alabama Crimson Tide. That was, you know, a, a, an extremely dominant team. Everybody knew they were going to win the national championship that year, and that was that was an easy one. Other than that, 15 of the last 17 AP preseason number ones did not win the national championship, which does not bode well for Alabama this year, who was voted number one. They received 47 first-place votes. Another trend that I think is interesting and something to note, and especially not just the trend itself, 
but to look at the two exceptions to the trend. This trend, every year except for twice in the last 20 years of the preseason AP poll, okay, every year except for twice, at least one top 10 team has finished outside the top 25. So these top 10 teams is agreed upon by the Associated Press, the media, that believe these are the 10 best teams in the country, and they, they've agreed on this. And there may be some, <clears throat> some fluff amongst you know teams 9, 10, 11, 12. They can be interchangeable. But for the most part, the top eight teams are definitely agreed upon, and 9 and 10 are usually uh, – most people would, would be like, yeah, okay, yeah, most AP voters agree on those as well. Every year, except for twice, a team that was voted in the top 10 of the preseason finished outside the top 25, had such a bad year – they couldn't even finish in the top 25. The exceptions are 2001 Georgia Tech, who were preseason ranked 10. They finished 24th in the poll. They lost five games that year, five, and were still 24th in the poll. They had more They had more losses than any other team in the top 25. They had more losses than teams that were outside the top 25. And 2019, the Texas Longhorns. They started the season 10th, had the disastrous season, of course. They finished 25th for some god-awful reason, probably because their win against Oklahoma that year in the Red River shootout. But they also lost five games, the most losses in the top 25 and more losses than teams ranked, you know, others receiving votes 26, 27, 28. Okay? So of the two teams, the only time it's happened, you know, twice that it's happened in the last 20 years – both of those teams went all the way to the very bottom, 24th and 25th, and they had the most losses of any team in the top 25. So it's a trend that happens every single year. Basically, you can count on it happening. One top 10 team is going to suck so bad that they're going to fall out of the top 25. And when I say suck, okay, 8-5 and five is, is not a horrible season. But when you're projected to win 9 games, 10 games, go to a big bowl game, and you've got uh, New Year's Day aspirations, finishing 8-5 and five in a trip to the Outback Bowl – not exactly uh, blowing your skirt up, right? Here's another trend. This one's really interesting. With the exception of 2011 and 2020, at least one unranked team that was in the preseason poll finished the season in the top 10. So that's something that happens almost every single year. Some unranked team, unnoticed, unappreciated, goes on to have a monster season, Goes nine and two, whatever you know, uh, ten and two, nine and three. Wins a big bowl game, surprises everybody. It's usually you know a team like a you know, like a Boise or a UCF or USF, one of those teams like that that's that's outside the top twenty-five that has a monster year and ends up being in the top uh, the top ten. And then finally, only five times in the past fifty years has a team won back-to-back AP national championships. Oklahoma in seventy-four, seventy-five, considered the greatest football team ever assembled. Alabama, 1978-1979, were back-to-back winners. The Nebraska team of 1994-1995, one of the most just dominant offenses that we've seen in a long time, Tommy Frazier. USC, 2003-2004, nothing needs to be said about that. We all know what that team looked like. And then the Alabama team of 2011-2012 won back-to-back AP national championships or just national championships altogether. So those are your trends with the, the preseason AP poll. It doesn't bode well for the validity of an AP poll, right? The the preseason one, at least. 
These are these these all bode poorly for why we should put any kind of weight behind the 2021 preseason AP Top 25, which is the top 10, Alabama 1, Oklahoma 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, Georgia 5, who received three first-place votes, by the way. And a lot of people believe that they are the best team in the SEC. JT Daniels, you know, they went 5-0 and with him at the, at the helm at the end of the season last year once he got confident on that, on that knee. A lot of people believe that Georgia is the best team in the SEC. Texas A&M is sixth. Iowa State is seventh. Iowa State's an interesting one. A lot of people are calling them overrated. I think they're an excellent football team. They're going to get to prove it this year. Cincinnati, really good football team. Notre Dame is ninth. And then North Carolina rounding out the top ten. Okay, Oregon, the top Pac-12 team, comes in at 11th. Okay, uh, Followed by Wisconsin, Florida, Miami, USC at 15. Five Pac-12 teams altogether in the AP preseason top 25. Oregon 11, USC 15, as I mentioned. Washington coming in at 20. Utah at 24, and the school up north getting the 20, the number 25 nod. Now, I have some interesting predictions that I think will fulfill these trends. These trends will continue. These trends have have been rarely bucked, okay? These are trends that, that don't get uh, beaten too often. These are, these are right up there with some of the most automatic things in sports. And that is those you know, the four trends that I just mentioned, it's the things that just don't happen or continue to happen in college football, specifically in regards to the AP Top 25. I'll have my predictions of each of those trends coming up next because I think it's, it's noted that you know we need to start getting into this. I need to start giving you my predictions for, for the season, some of the teams that I think are the best. And, again, I, I'm not going to just fill the air with a bunch of smoke because I haven't seen these teams play. Again, I can I can go off of my Phil Steele guy and say, this team's got 18 players, uh, returning starters, and a junior quarterback, and a transfer this. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just guessing. I'm just going off of some things that I take weighted, that I, that I feel deserve the acknowledgement of, look, historically these types of things have worked out well for teams. We'll talk about that next. ESPN Tucson invites you to the Sierra Auction. It's a live, in-person, public auction. The preview is going to be this Friday, August 20th, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Bring your uh, bring your galoshes and your umbrella. It's located at 3911 North Highway Drive right here in Tucson. Uh, the uh, registration is online. It's free. Go to SierraAuction.com. That's SierraAuction.com. This is an open-to-the-public auction. There's no dealer license required. And you can bid online this Saturday, August 21st at, first at 8 a.m. and get the deals you deserve only at SierraAuction.com. Of course, if you have more questions, you can always go to ESPNTucson.com. But a cool way to, uh, to check out some vehicles that are out there. And, again, no dealer license is required. You can go check them out live um, this Friday from 10 to 4 and then bid online on Saturday. You're listening here to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson.
Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Coming up at some point before we get out of here at 8.59 this morning, so in the next hour and a half, we're going to give you a chance to win those tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias in November as Fluffy returns to Tucson for his comedy tour, and uh, we'll have a chance to uh, to give those away. Coming up, it could happen anytime, so be ready. Be ready with your cue to call. We'll give out the phone number. We'll tell you which caller number is going to qualify, and uh, you're going to win those tickets, so stay tuned. Okay, so let's take a look at some predictions. Just These are just predictions based on AP preseason poll ten, trends. Okay? As I mentioned, 15 of the last 17 AP preseason number one teams failed to win the national championship. Only happened twice, 04 USC, 2017 Bama. So let's start there. Now, this might be the easiest, the easiest choice of them all. In fact, it was the easiest choice for me of all of them. The easiest prediction to make based on this preseason AP poll trend. Alabama will not win the national championship this year. They will not. They have two trends to buck in the AP. Because not only has it only happened twice in the last 18 years, where a team has gone wire to wire, number one to number one. But it's only happened five times in the last 50 years that a team has won back-to-back natties. Bama, of course, winning last year. They would have to win again this year. It's very difficult to do that, especially when you are replacing your offensive coordinator who created the most points in SEC history, yes, even more than the 2019 national champion LSU, whose offense was ridiculously explosive. Alabama last year was the best. They were the best offense in the history of the SEC. They sent 11 players to the NFL. 11. They're returning three starters on offense, including a quarterback who was brought in to play running back. Bryce Young. He's going to be playing quarterback for the, uh, for, the, for the Tide this year. He's going to be getting his first live bullets against Miami, a team who was very seasoned this year. And I'm not saying that Bama's going to lose that game to Miami. There's a very good chance that Bama goes 12-0 and and it rips their way through the SEC. They've got a pretty favorable schedule. they got to play at Florida. Tough, tough game. Okay, Dan Mullen got himself a great squad. The Swamp is always a difficult place to play. At Texas A&M, Kyle Field. Crazy difficult place to play. But other than that, they get LSU at home. They get a, It doesn't matter where you play the Iron Bowl. It's much like the Territorial Cup game. It doesn't matter where the game is played. It's, it's a toss-up. Regardless of how good or bad the teams are or vice versa, it, it doesn't matter. That, you can never predict that game, and we've seen that over the years, right? Just recently, just how crazy that game has been. But they get a lot of tough games at, at home. Um and, but I just don't think that Bama – I don't think that this year's Bama team is good enough to buck two of the strongest trends in the AP preseason poll, which are number one teams don't go wire to wire and teams don't repeat. That's, that's just – that's too heavy for them to overcome. Now, eventually, once we get to the immediate preseason of college football, like we're talking like within a week of games being played, week zero essentially, okay, I will give you my prediction for the college football playoff and who I think the national champion will be. I got I to put it on record, right? That's kind of like my job. 
Got to put it on record so that everyone can go, you're an idiot at the end of the year. I get it all the time. It's fine. The toughest one for me, I'm going to skip one. I'm going to get back to the toughest one in a moment. One of the other trends now, with the exception of 2011 and 2020, at least one unranked team in the preseason poll has finished in the top ten at the end of the season. Who will be this year's team that does that? So you have to go outside. Teams receiving votes outside the top 25. The team receiving the most votes, Oklahoma State. Okay, that's probably the easiest one. I go, they'll, they'll finish in the top ten. I, I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if they got enough juice to get up there. Other teams that are receiving votes that aren't in the top 25, regular occurrences, you know, teams like Auburn, Michigan, Boise receiving votes. Okay, these are some of the teams that are that are out there. UCLA, a lot of people are expecting some surprises out of UCLA this year. I think Chip Kelly's going to put it all together. I don't know. We'll see. The team that I think is outside the currently outside the top 25, according to the Associated Press, that I believe will finish in the top 10 is Ole Miss. Ole Miss, at Lane Kiffin, his third year, they were the second-best offense in the SEC last year, scored a million points, and hung a 42-burger on Alabama, nearly won that football game. They nearly beat Alabama at home last year. It was 42-42 with four minutes to go in that game. And then Alabama things happened, Najee Harris took over, and that's it. Alabama ended up winning that football game. But I, when I look at Ole Miss, they're returning 17 starters this year, and they got a pretty favorable schedule. Now, they play at Alabama. You can chalk that up, but it's a loss. Okay, Every other game is very, very winnable for them. They open up against Louisville in a, in a neutral site game. Then they have Austin P in Tulane. Then they go on a bye. Then they play Alabama coming off a bye week. Okay, then they got Arkansas at Tennessee, home LSU, at Auburn, that's going to be tough. Auburn's going to be down this year, first-year coach. Then they host Liberty, which is a sneaky, difficult game. Liberty's going to be really good, play great defense. Then they host A&M. Okay, A&M's really good, but you get them at home. Get them on the Grove. Then they host Vanderbilt. There's the W. And then the Egg Bowl game against Mississippi State, which you could never count on. I think Ole Miss is that team that jumps up from outside the top 25 into the top 10. They've got a Heisman hopeful quarterback in Matt Corral, probably like the Heisman sleeper. Should have been still stayed on the West Coast. I, again, another quarterback that got away from, from the Pac-12. But they're extremely talented on offense, and I think that's the team that, that continues that trend of teams that are outside the top 25 that jump into the top 10 by the end of the season. I think that's the team that does it. I, I, I like Ole Miss this year. I'm not a big Lane Kiffin fan. I never really have been. Uh, but he seems to be kind of learning on the fly, if you will. And, uh, he, you know, he's, he's doing some things. He's doing some things. Put together, a good, put together a good staff, and we know that they're going to score a ton of points. Matt Corral's a really good quarterback. They've got great receivers. They've got a good running game. Offensive line is good. And they've been recruiting extremely well over the last couple of years as well. I think Ole Miss is that team. Don't miss NFL Cover 2 each weekday throughout the ESPN Tucson's programming every day here. It's brought to you by our friends over at Barrio Brewing Company, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. It's Arizona's oldest brewery, Barrio Brewing Company, NFL Cover 2, every weekday here. Now, the, the most difficult trend for me to select was the, 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 it's the one where it's happened every year except for twice, 
where a preseason top 10 team and every year in the top the last 20 years. Let me rephrase that. Every year in the last 20 years. I don't want to say it's like a 100-year trend. Every year of the preseason, a top 10 team finishes outside. The biggest disappointment in the AP poll. This one was really, really difficult for me to come, to come down to on a, on a decision. I think I've got one. It may change in the next three minutes. Come back and find out. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Remember, kids, at any time I could give you that cue to call to win those tickets to go see Gabriel Iglesias at Casino del Sol coming up in November. We're giving away a pair of tickets every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show for the Beyond the Fluffy Comedy Tour. Stay tuned. You never know. So we're talking trends here in the AP preseason poll, and, and I've given some predictions for those trends. I don't think that Alabama is going to win the national championship. They have to they have to overcome too many obstacles as far as trends-wise go. And, yes, I am a believer in trends. And until they get bucked, I will continue to believe in them because history tends to repeat itself, and I believe in that. I, so I don't believe Alabama is going to win the national championship. I also believe that Ole Miss is going to be the surprise team in the country this year, a team that is outside the top 25 that will eke into the top 10. Maybe maybe it's 10th. I don't know. I think they're going to be very good this year. They're going to score a lot of points. They're going to win a lot of games. So who's going to be the biggest disappointment this year in college football? A preseason AP top 10 who drops out of the top 25 altogether. It's a difficult one, right? There are some, there are some people out there that think that Ohio State or that Iowa State is so incredibly overrated at number seven that they're going to be the team that drops out of the top 25. I'm here to tell you, folks, they run the football too damn well. They've got a three-year starter at quarterback, and they play defense like absolute crazy, and they've got a great motivator at head coach. That team's not falling out of the top 25 unless the absolute wheels fall off, unless Brees Hall gets hurt, Brock Purdy gets hurt, the defense starts giving up just gaseous points. I mean, it, it's not, not going to happen. Iowa State's going to be good enough to stay in the top 25. I believe they're a top, uh, top 10, 12 team uh, at worst by the time the season's over. So it's not, Ohio, it's not Iowa State. Um, some people believe that, that maybe even Ohio State could be a, a disappointment in the Big Ten. Maybe they caught lightning in a bottle last year. They, ton, they sent a ton of guys to the NFL. It's not going to be Ohio State. They're, they're just way too talented, especially on defense. Very, very good. So your, your, your likely candidates here are the 8 through 10. Cincinnati, Notre Dame, North Carolina. Okay, those are your 8, 9, 10. Notre Dame is interesting. Now, <laughs> I've gone back and forth on this because I look at Notre Dame's schedule. You know, look, Notre Dame is a team who sent, what they sent, nine guys to the, to the NFL last year, put nine guys to the draft. They lost a ton of guys, most of them on offense. They're going to be starting a senior transfer from Wisconsin, Jack Cohen, at quarterback okay so brand new quarterback they got a bunch of freshmen playing uh playing on the offense as well several on the offensive line but we know notre dame recruits extremely well brian kelly in his 12th season at notre dame that time flies man seems like just yesterday he got hired there they have a really difficult schedule they open up at florida state okay and i think florida state's up for a little bit of resurgence this year mackenzie milton Going to be at the quarterback. He's like enjoying his ninth season of eligibility in college football. They play Wisconsin. They play Cincinnati. They play at Virginia Tech. They play USC, of course. They play North Carolina, who's a top-ten team. 
Navy's going to be tough this year, as they always are. And, and look, Notre Dame always treats that game with a lot of respect. And they end the season at Stanford. Now, Stanford's not going to be great, but if Stanford is healthy at the end of the year, those players get seasoned. They'll put you in a phone box. They'll beat you up. And you don't want to make that trip out to Stanford at the end of the season and get beat up by a team while you're trying to, to tune up for a big bowl game, potentially. Notre Dame could be a possibility. However, it's the name brand, right? Would the AP ever, ever in a million years vote Notre Dame outside of the top 25? I don't think so. If Notre Dame is 7-5 and five at the end of the year, at the end of the regular season, there's a possibility that they get voted out of the top 25. It depends on the rest of the landscape. I don't know if there's a legitimate five losses here, but I think there's a legit four losses on this schedule. They could be a team that finds their way out of the top 25. But again, name brand, name on the front of the jersey. <laughs> AP loves Notre Dame. They're not going to vote them out. It's just, it's just, no matter how bad they are, they're ranked high enough, they're not going to fall 17 spots out of, the, out of the top 25. So that brings us to North Carolina. Okay, Mac Brown returning this year. A lot of hype around that football program. Sam Howell, quarterback, a preseason Heisman hopeful. They lost the two best running backs possibly in the history of that program uh, last season. They lost both of their top wide receivers to the NFL as well. So offensively, they're, they're going to be rebuilding. They've got a veteran offensive line, which helps, and a great quarterback in Sam Howell. Well, great, you know, college greatness, okay? I don't know if it's if it's going to be North Carolina though. Because when you look at when you look at their schedule there's not like there's not a whole lot to hate on the schedule. Virginia Tech in their, you know, in their first game, I I don't know. It, it's 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 possibly a, a tough game, but their other road games are at Georgia Tech. They stink this year. They play at Notre Dame. Really tough game, but they're going to be geared up for that one and they're coming off a bye that week. <laughs> oh boy. And then maybe the toughest game of the year will be the rivalry game at NC State. I think the Wolfpack are going to be really good this year. So is it possibly North Carolina? I think that's the most likely culprit because the only two times that it that it's happened where a team made it and, and stayed in the top 25, they were both teams that were ranked 10th to begin the season. They finished 24th and 25th in the, in the final poll, losing five games each. That could be North Carolina this year, ranked high enough, get a couple of good wins in there, uh, and, and they're able to secure a spot in the top 25. I think that's the most likely culprit. Now, in my opinion, one of the teams that was left out of the top 10, and this is the team that's ranked number 11, I think this team actually has the highest propensity for falling out of the top 25. And I know this goes against the trend. We're talking top 10 teams, so 11 is irrelevant, but I want to talk for a moment about Oregon. The Ducks sitting there at number 11 in the preseason poll, the darling of the Pac-12. Let's take, a, let's take a look at Oregon real quick here. Why do I think Oregon finishes outside the top 25? Number one, I don't think they're the best team in their division. I think Washington's a better team. I'm just being honest with you here. Just based on my assessments, things that I've seen, things that I've heard, reading the tea leaves, if you will, and – Look, just kind of the way the whole quarterback situation played out there in Eugene, uh, 
A lot of people not real happy with the decision that was made by Mario Cristobal to let Tyler Shuck move on. You know, Tyler Shuck was basically shown the door during halftime of the Pac-12 championship game. <laughs> you know, like, like look, I know somebody, I, I know I know people that, that know Tyler and his family very, very well. Uh, Tyler was basically never given an opportunity to compete for that job, was told he wasn't going to give an opportunity to compete for that job, and was told basically in the middle of a game that he was done as an Oregon Duck. Like, that's it. And I don't, I don't think he did really anything to deserve that. So they're going to bring Anthony Brown in, who is not a proven or solid starter at quarterback, and there have been grumblings out of camp already this season that he's not very good. He doesn't look good. Um, he came in out of shape and has not, has not played well in the, in the practices and the scrimmages that they've had at Oregon. Um, also, Let's, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, fantastic football player. He's going to go top three in the NFL draft. There's no doubt he's an elite pass rusher. Um, he's a guy you can put in, in several positions in a 3-4 in a defense at the NFL level. He can play linebacker. He can play end. Okay, you can move him around. He's, just, he's, a, he's a fantastic talent. Smart kid, too. Love Kayvon Thibodeau. He's just an excellent, excellent player. However, let's not forget just how bad Oregon was last year in defending the run. They were 91st in the country last year defending the run. And, oh, look, they don't really improve at the defensive line. They haven't, they haven't been recruiting as well for the defensive line for some reason. They've been able to recruit the defensive backfield. They've been able to recruit offense. But defensive line has been a little troublesome for Oregon and for Mario Cristobal, which is rare considering his history. I think Oregon's going to give up a million yards on the ground this year. They're, they're just... They're going to get run on this year. They're not that good defensively. And and let's play this card as well because I'm in that kind of mood today. I'm going to play this card because I'm in this I'm in that kind of mood based on some news that came out last night. It's going to be really difficult to stay in the top 25 when you open up your Pac-12 season with a home loss to Jed Fish and Arizona Wildcats. I'm just going to say it right now going to be real tough to hang on to that top 25 ranking when the Jedi goes up there, tries to reclaim his recruit, T. Tyroa McMillan, who essentially committed verbally to Oregon last night, shunning the Wildcats, and his high school teammates at Anaheim Servite, who I'm sure will tell him about that every single day that he's in high school this year. (laughs) It's going to be difficult for Oregon to claim a top 25 spot after a home loss is a 31-point favorite to Arizona. Calling my shot right now. The Jedi's not finished. And that's where we're going to begin the next segment. T. Tyroa McMillan chooses Oregon over Arizona and USC in his verbal commitment. This is not National Signing Day. It is not signed and delivered, signed, sealed, and delivered. Okay, we've got to wait for February and that. So this tug of war is far from over far from over jed fish is not going to give up he's not going to just roll over and be like okay you chores oregon i guess it was a nice try for us it looked good on our resume that we got a guy interested like no uh uh-uh full court press jed fish is not done recruiting t mac mcmillan he's not finished and neither are noah fafita and kian burnett and whomever else might be interested in coming to arizona from juice county Anaheim Servite High School. (laughs) 
it's not over. And now Arizona's going to go up to Eugene and put a whooping on Mario Cristobal and the Ducks, and all of a sudden T-Mac McMillan's going to be like, oh, yeah, I made the wrong decision. I'm going to open up, reopen up my commitment. As soon as you see that, you know where it's going. I'm just calling my shot here, folks, because I'm in that kind of a mood today. I'm in a festive mood. I'm in a positive mood. Arizona football's got me charged up. I'm ready to go. It's, a, it's you know, we had a day off yesterday. Back on the field today, I'm charged. I'm ready to go. I love talking college football. It's my lifeblood. This is where I, this is where I live. I said I was going to talk about it next segment. I already just talked about it. <laughs> so yeah, T Mac uh, McMillan chooses Oregon over Arizona again. Look, should I say I'm surprised? Not really. It's his, it's been his lifelong dream to play at Oregon. He said so all along. It was going to take a little bit more than a couple of his buddies from the you know from the high school football team to convince him to come to Tucson and play for a team who's in the middle of a 12-game losing streak who just lost a game by a lot of points to their in-state rival. It's going to take more than that, but I kid you not, folks. I guarantee you this tug-of-war is not over. Jed Fish is just loading up for another surge. 719-1490 is the phone number. Keep keep tuned to that because at any point I could call for the – for the uh, for the tickets to be won. It could happen at any time, so stay tuned for that. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, and Tucson Appliance are looking for the next big radio star, and it could be you. If you think you've got what it takes to do what we do on the air, submit a video, which is 60 seconds or less. Follow the rules, 60 seconds or less, showing us what you can do. Your video may even get played on the air during the Spears and Ali show. Heard every weekday from 3 to 6. Great show yesterday, by the way, if you haven't, Checked out the podcast, download it. Great show. Uh, the grand prize winner will get a weekly phone guest segment on the Spears and Ali show to talk sports, NFL, college, whatever. Get us your video to ESPNTucson.com. Voting starts on August 27th, which means you have limited time to get that video together and show us why you could be the next radio star in Tucson. As a star is born on ESPN Tucson, brought to you by Tucson Appliance, only at Tucson Appliance, where our low prices are your priority. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back. Quick segment here to uh, round out our number one. Today's Tuesday edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Stay tuned because uh, we have that quick turnaround at the top of the hour. Literally, it's like a two-minute break and then we're right back on the air. So don't go anywhere. As soon as we break, we'll be back in two minutes. Um, you know, I'm, I made a big deal about the, the MLB's Field of Dreams game. It did extremely well on Fox. The, the ratings were, were excellent. Uh, of course, the game was incredibly exciting. Tim Anderson walking it off for the White Sox with a two-run dinger in the bottom of the ninth inning. Fantastic uh, finish. Great game. Incredible production. Awe-inspiring. Very emotional type of, of introduction with Kevin Costner on the mound and the players emerging from the cornfield. Awesome stuff. During the game, <clears throat> MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred announced that there would be a return to the corn in 2022. And yesterday, last night, they announced who those teams would be. They don't have a date set yet, but they did announce the two teams that would be playing. And uh, I had a feeling they'd be going National League, so I'm not surprised with, uh, with where they went. I'm surprised with the matchup that they went with, although these two teams, of course, two of the oldest teams in baseball, 
the Chicago Cubs and the Cincinnati Reds will be meeting in the 2022 edition of the Field of, Field of Dreams game in uh, Dyersville, Iowa. So not the rivalry matchup, but then, you know, White Sox-Yankees, not a really a rivalry. They're not division rivals. They've been rivals for a long time, for 100 years in Major League Baseball, but not division rivals. Cubs and Reds, similar. I mean, they're playing in the same division, although not exactly sure what kind of team the Cubs are going to have on the field next year. They lost everybody. So Reds are going to be good. They'll have a good team next year. Not sure about the Cubbies. But that's what we're looking forward to next year as uh, the return to Dyersville for the Field of Dreams game. I don't know what they're going to be able to do to top what they did. You can't march Kevin Costner out there every year. I mean, maybe you can. Maybe you could just recreate it and do it all over again. And you have Costner emerging from the corn, walking to the mound with with his mitt in his hand and then having the players emerge behind him. I, I guess you could possibly do that. Again. I'll get tired after a while. we got something new to do. Coming up in hour number two, we'll have some news from the NFL, notable cuts as NFL teams have to get their rosters down to 85 from 90 to 85, so going to be a few cuts from every team. Uh, we'll have an update on what J.J. Taylor is doing in New England. Good news for the former Wildcat out there. We'll talk about that. We also have uh, some fun conversation here coming up, talking about baseball cards. The Honus Wagner card sold earlier this weekend or over the weekend for $6.6 million, a new record. We'll talk about some NBA Summer League as the championship game is tonight and a whole lot more. Stick around. It's a quick turnaround here to the top of the hour for the 8 o'clock hour, hour number two, right here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We'll be right back. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson. 